The Sports Soccer Devon Wave Recap. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Briefcast. Welcome to another Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. This is Briefcast number 13. And the briefcasts are when I come to you guys solo without my special teams unit, which usually consists of Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker, Biscuit, my brother Jordan, and the Silver Fox of Nike Pro Summer League fame from back in the day, and this uh, general basketball guru. And if you had not had a chance to check out a full episode, please go back and listen. I am aware that each and every time out now uh, that they're new listeners, and I want you to get more than just the briefcast. Go and check out the entire episode. I think we have episode 81 coming up next. So we have a lot of bells and whistles on those full-fledged episodes, and we encourage you to do that. Check that out. Go back into the archives and check that out. I also want to encourage you to follow me on Twitter at Wade's Word if you aren't. And, of course, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. And it can be interactive, and a lot of people post a lot of cool things. Charles Rayon. Um, Charles Rayon. And J.M. Keith and a bunch of people, Arthur McBride, a number of people post on uh, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page. I will occasionally post polls and get your feedback on some of those things. And it's my way of reading uh, what you guys are interested in or really getting information sometimes. Hey, there's no way one person can get all of the information. Although this is sort of a, a good place for you if you're the casual sports fan to just sort of get a general view of a few things, especially on the briefcast. When I only talk about two or three things, and this time out on the briefcast, I'm going to talk about Antonio Brown. He is a now former Pittsburgh Steeler. We'll talk about that trade deal. And uh, in addition to that, I want to talk a little bit about Vince Young and uh, that situation, a few other tidbits. And I have a Lamont Award to give out. I hadn't given out one in the last couple of briefcasts. Uh, but I want to say this. Last week, I came to you guys with two in a row. And I'm still trying to get a barometer for which what you guys like. Will you come every day? Do you seek content every day? Or are you going to listen once or twice a day? I'll look by the numbers. I'll judge by the numbers. But I can also, uh, also enjoy hearing from you guys and tell me what you like. And if you like it enough, maybe I can come to you guys every day or so, maybe three to five days a week. I don't know. You know, we do have the Houston show on Saturday, but also, like I said, if you miss me in between, you definitely can come to me uh, throughout the week and we'll try to do a little bit more. I don't know if I can do full-fledged episodes more than once or twice a week, uh, but I can do the briefcast and that gives me an opportunity to comment on things sort of contemporaneously so I can kind of uh, be in the moment. A lot of times we miss out on uh, that initial feeling of some of the headlines. And some of the headlines, quite frankly, get lost because so much sports news day in and day out. Well, today it's all about Antonio Brown. The Steelers trade him to the Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders for a third and a fifth round pick. 
And there's some winners in the situation. And and really, in a way, everybody's a winner today. I think down the road, we'll see who the losers are in the situation. And let me say this before I start. I like Antonio Brown as a player. And I support a lot. And I understand a lot of what he is complaining about. I I get it. I understand. And and I get a sense that the hierarchy in Pittsburgh is disproportionate. I understand all of that. And I was rolling with you. Big Ben is not the greatest leader. And maybe he's he's not your your man crush or whatever because he doesn't come hang out with you at your house. I get all of that. And I and he shouldn't be throwing you under the bus. I 100% agree with you. He shouldn't be throwing his wide receivers under the bus. He's not the best leader. All of that. I'm with you, Antonio, until you don't show up for work. And I don't like the fact, again, I think you need to ride a little bit harder for a guy like Mike Tomlin. I think that's sort of lost in the sauce that he didn't support his coach. And and, and really kind of, I, I mean, sort of biased, from on a biased sort of uh, tangent here. You know, as an African-American coach, you know, it's hard to have these positions now. And, you know, you have a leader there. And maybe he's not the best guy, but he's not a bad guy. And he's done his thing. And I think that you should respect and you should have respected him and the organization a little bit more than you did. It's just a way of doing business. It's just business and how you move in the world. You don't have to move. Everybody don't have to move like you from Liberty City. Yeah, okay, that's where you're from. But, hey, man, you've been out of that situation for a long time. You can move in a different way to maximize your earning potential. However, I say that, (laughs) and it seems counterintuitive when you look at the deal. Now he gets traded, gets a new three-year deal, $54 million, $30 million guaranteed. I mean, he's getting paid. So I guess you can clown and act like that and still get what you want, but he won't win again. He won't compete for the Super Bowl again, and I'm saying that now. And that's without knowing whatever else the Oakland Raiders are going to do if they are in the uh, the Le'Veon Bell discussion and what they do with those uh, the, all those extra draft picks that they have. Uh, so I, I do think that, yeah, you got your money, and again, at the end of the day, that's what you play for, but you won't be as relevant as you were. Tomorrow you won't be as relevant as you were today. That's the, that's gonna, I'm being honest about that. This is not a contending team, and you'll find out quick how important it is to have a quarterback the caliber of Big Ben. Now, you look at the Oakland Raiders situation. The first, the biggest losing situation is Derek Carr. Derek Carr is – I like Derek Carr. His, of course, his brother played here in Houston, and he grew up here in Houston, so I kind of root for him in, in that way. He seems like a good enough guy. He's not Big Ben, though. And you put a volatile, ball-hungry – $30 million guaranteed wide receiver in that locker room, a locker room where you got rid of Khalil Mack a year ago and Amari Cooper, and I just I think it's a recipe for more Oakland Raiders being Oakland Raiders. Now, it could be a win for the organization if somehow he excites the fan base in Vegas, which a year from now they'll be, I guess they'll be ready to move to Vegas. They have one more year in Oakland, and this may help with the transition to Las Vegas having a, a high-profile guy if he plays ball the right way. But again, here, if you're Oakland, you get this guy, and essentially what you're doing is you've traded off Amari Cooper for, and what, let, let's see, let's try to see if we can do this. You Amari uh, Cooper and a third and a fifth rounder for a 30, what will be a 31-year-old wide receiver and a first rounder. You can look at it and we'll see. I mean, obviously the results will speak for themselves, but I would not 
for the next three years, history kind of can tell us that I would take Amari Cooper's numbers over the next three years, and that's playing with Dak Prescott. Uh, but I just think that this will continue to be an issue in Oakland. I, you know, again, you look at the numbers, look at the production of Amari Cooper when he went to Dallas versus what he was able to do in Oakland. And you have to say to yourself, well, hey, man, that is a not good situation for a wide receiver. Now, if he doesn't get the numbers, yeah, you, you know, yeah, he got the money. But if the money's just enough, we'll see. But I have a feeling he's going to want the ball. He's going to want to make a statement. He's going to want to be targeted. I mean, here's a guy that has over 11,000 yards receiving and 74 touchdowns, and he was on television complaining about not getting the ball in the first quarter of one game. This is what after he's been in the in the game in the league for a long, long time. So you know, I just think that this situation. If you're Pittsburgh, look, think of what you've done as an organization, and this is why they are a damn good organization. Antonio Brown was a sixth round draft pick. Now he's giving you eleven thousand yards, seventy four touchdowns, and now that he's over thirty, you trade him for a third and a fifth. And in the process, it's addition by subtraction. Now, at the same time, I think the Steelers as an organization need to get a grip on Ben, start making plans for the future after Ben, just like they need to do it in New England. So so they have their work cut out for them. You have to find depth at running back, and you have to solidify that defense. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I just think that it's a shame in a way that you can pout and clown and be disrespectful in business. I'm not talking about he doesn't owe. You don't, you don't have to pay homage to the Rooney family like that. You don't have to. You don't have to pay homage to. And you don't have to be a, just a, a, a Mr. Congeniality when it comes to Ben Roethlisberger. But to do what you've done and, and just sort of whine and, and bitch and moan all over the place. And then you still get $30 million guaranteed. You get your way. I mean, that's only in sports because I can tell you this. I, for damn sure, if I start to complain and raise saying on my gig, I'm not getting a $30 million raise and, uh, you know, sort of uh, financial security moving forward. So, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. But I do think if you're keeping score, I think the Steelers won because, again, you, you parlay a six-round draft pick, got all the production in the world out of them uh, over, like I said, a 11K and receiving your 74 touchdowns and just really an excite really an excite as exciting a player in the NFL as there is. I mean, I man, look, I'm an Antonio Brown fan on the field. And I, I initially I really wished it would have worked out, but it was clear pretty soon that it was not going to work out. So let's see what they do with the extra cap money. Let's see what they do with the third and the fifth round draft pick. And let's see what if Juju Smith Schuster is what they think he can be. You know, again, now you get to be the big dog. Now you get to draw some double teams. And I know that Pittsburgh has a sort of a history where they've been able to get rid of high-profile wide receivers from uh, Santonio Holmes to Emmanuel Sanders to uh, Martavius Bryant. Uh, so, I mean, they've gotten rid of guys and kept it pushing. Uh, and let's see if they can do it again. But uh, this whole argument of I would have got rid of Big Ben, and for who? For what? <laughs> because, again, even if he's on decline and he won't be what he was, how many uh, NFL quarterbacks have been, been to three uh, Super Bowls? How many active quarterbacks have been to three Super Bowls? Short, short list. So he's he's 2-1 and one in the Super Bowl. And, granted, yeah, okay, he wasn't the big dog when they went to the first Super Bowl, but I don't care. 
He got you there three times. In this league, we see time and time again the most important position in all the sports is a NFL quarterback. And if you don't have one, you're scrambling, scratching, and trying to do whatever you can to get one. And there's, that's the situation that they would have been in had they gotten rid of a guy like Big Ben. You look at Jacksonville. Jacksonville, a year removed from the AFC Championship and uh, couldn't get production from the quarterback position. Now they're scrambling trying to get Nick Foles, who is really a marginal quarterback who's had great postseasons. They're trying to do anything. You look at poor uh, Washington with the Redskins, a situation where you you invested in Alex Smith, a sort of a, a caretaker, a guy who can be productive. Now his career may be over, and you're scrambling so much. Look at how bad the team was. Uh, and we won't even get into the fact that they could have signed Colin Kaepernick and sort of solidified some of that, some of that foolishness that went on at the quarterback position. Uh, but they weren't going to do that. So now they have to go out and get Case Keenum because Case Keenum, although he went to the NFC Championship a year ago as well, not a situation where he was expendable in Denver after they didn't think he was good enough. And you go after a guy who's not nearly as productive as Big Ben and Joe Flacco. So look, all you have to do is follow the transactions and follow the movement to see how important it is for these organizations to really reach out and get quarterbacks. We'll see. Uh, and again, let, let me just recap. Let me, let me sort of capsulize this a little bit. And so Pittsburgh Steelers, one in the deal, I think uh, Antonio Brown. I'll say I, the winners are Antonio Brown and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The losers are the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> and Derek Carr. Derek Carr's exit from uh, Oakland may be really expedited after this year. So uh, we'll have to see. It's not a bad, bad deal for Oakland, but I do think this it's a loss. I don't think this will be helpful for the locker room. I don't think that it will be helpful for Antonio's career on the field, I think financially, anytime you get financial security, hey, that's the name of the game. Get your money, boo-boo. <laughs> so <laughs> he got his money. But I don't think that he'll be a premier receiver in this league moving forward. And he may not have been anyway. He'll be 31 when the season starts. So with that, I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about VY. Vince Young, Vince Young terminated from a six-figure job at the University of Texas. And, you know, I'm, I have mixed feelings about it. Obviously, I'm sad for Vince. And I know that and maybe if you're around the country, this was just a minor blurb. This was not even headline making. But it really, I mean, down here, of course it was. He's from the hood down here. He's from Hiram Clark, which not my neighborhood. But, you know, you root for the kid. I've seen this kid since he was a junior in high school. And he... He was, I mean, and when you see a kid grow up, you really, really root for him. And I have. I, I really rooted for him. And I really, I, well, I was sold on him after the 2005 Rose Bowl and the National Championship game. And I just thought that it would have been some, similar to a situation where when the Rockets got Akeem Olajuwon, a, a hometown guy. I mean, obviously went to University of Houston, not you know, not Lagos, but his American affiliation. He's Houstonian, and I thought it would have been like when Clyde came back. Clyde, a hometown high school hero, five slammer jamming hero, goes to the Rockets. Both those guys get championships. I thought it was like Earl Campbell, the greatest era in, if not on the field, in folklore, the greatest era in the Houston oil of, uh, and really Houston football. 
period. I mean, bar none, the greatest era was the Love Your Blue era. I mean, hence, we have an era called Love Your Blue. And going to consecutive AFC championship games, uh, and Earl Campbell, the Tyler Rose, was just up the street from, from Houston in Tyler. So, you know, I thought if you brought this guy, this hometown guy back, Man, it would be special. It didn't work out. He went to he went to uh, Jeff Fisher, who now we increasingly know is not a quarterback whisperer, as evidenced by uh, the production of Jared Goff, who he almost ran out of the league in one year. And, and after that, Jared Goff has gone to a Super Bowl and really had success leading his team to winning the division. So, uh, you know, this was after Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher, I thought, blackballed Vince. I thought, I think, essentially. Essentially, what it comes down to is Vince had issues. I don't know the extent of those issues, but it's kind of well documented. And obviously, we know how tumultuous his childhood was. And I'd heard stories about things in school. And he had some issues. I mean, he came from a tough situation, a really, really tough situation. And that makes, makes you root for him all the more. I remember having his mother on with us two days before, uh, the day before he announced that he was coming out. She came in to do the show. The nice lady, Miss Felicia Young, in a great interview. And I sort of agree with her that I wouldn't press her too hard on whether or not Vince was going to come out. I don't know how much she knew about the situation anyway. But at the time, it was a question of whether he should come out or not. He came out, and the Texans had had the top pick. They had a chance to get him and, and didn't get him. And passed on Reggie Bush that year and went with Mario Williams, and the rest is history. But you root for this guy, and but he's had you know DWI issues. He uh, varying degrees of some mental health stuff as far as just not uh, being very emotional. I think uh, Jeff Fisher kind of sandbagged him with how he played the situation that happened in Tennessee. But I just kept waiting for it. I mean, you saw flashes. And if you would have seen this guy in high school, he was he did things effortlessly. And he even in at moments in the NFL, when he won the overtime game here in Houston, I think it was his first game here in Houston for the Titans versus the Texans. They won that game in overtime and he ran in he ran in the touchdown to to a walk-off touchdown in overtime. And it just, you just kept waiting for those flashes. He went to the Pro Bowl his uh, rookie year. He, I'm telling you, man, I thought he, I mean, some of the stuff he did, I just thought he was going to be very, very special. And I really rooted for him more than anything. He didn't fit the traditional quarterback mold. Uh, but and you ignore some of the criticisms that you heard of just hating. Oh, you know, oh, Mac Brown coddled him and he wasn't ready and and they didn't open up the playbook. And I, you ignore some of those things that are sort of uh, stereotypical and some of those things that can be quite uh, racially biased. And I kind of wrote off a number of those things uh, because of that. And I thought Jeff Fisher hand, handled that situation horribly. And his career just never was... It never panned out, and it was disappointing. And now for the millions and millions and millions of dollars he made for the University of Texas, uh, they gave him, and rightfully so, they take care of their own. They took care of Earl. Earl has worked for the university for 100 years, and Earl's job, I essentially believe, is to be Earl. I, I'm sure he has some responsibilities, and so did Vince. And Vince didn't take those serious. And it's so sad. I mean, he's not – there's no other $100,000 jobs waiting for, for Vince out there. And obviously he has some sort of drinking issue with the DWIs. 
And it, it reminded me of like the uh, a, a brick from Cat on a Hot Ten Roof, where you just can't kind of, uh, without the the <laughs> subtext of some. Well, I won't get into that. But the the subtext of the of Cat on the Hot Ten Roof and the relationship he had with his late friend, uh, minus that, Vince uh, Vince has some of that that brick uh, stuff going on. It appears where you drinking a lot and and just probably hadn't found his spot, had finally hadn't found his happiness. I think like everybody else, it, we look at the situation like, man, he was so close. It, it could have been, it could have been something special, man. It should have been something special and it just didn't work out. And, and it's unfortunate. And I just hope he can get his life back together and really make amends with the university of Texas. Maybe the university of Texas will help him get, well, we'll bring him back into the fold after he gets his life straight he he needs that, and Texas owes him because again, this guy put Texas football on the map. You can say, "Well, oh, that's Texas." Look, man, I know. I remember when U of H used to run them off the field. I remember when Texas was, you know, was not what you think Texas should be, and now they, you know, they sort of gotten a resurgence again. But he was responsible for. I mean, I mean, that was the team. That was one of the greatest games, if not the greatest game in college football history. It was as exciting a win for a non-Houston team as I can imagine. I was watching that from the bar, and it was it was amazing, man. It was incredible. It was you when a guy really brings you that much joy with that kind of performance. You root for him for the rest of your life. In many situations, you kind of root for this guy for the rest of your life. And I do, man. I want him to win. Not only because he's from the hood, but because, man, that guy has brought me some joy. I remember. <laughs> now, you know, a lot of you guys know, I have not been the biggest Texans fan. And I was, like, wanting to erupt in the Texans press box when Vince ran it down their throat because I thought that they should have taken him or at least Reggie Bush uh, in that situation. And they took Mario Williams. So, I remember that day vividly from the Texans press box, and there were a lot of people banging on the on the tables that they were upset. And of course, you can't show emotion in an NFL press box, and they they had to remind them, "Hey, this is a, this is an NFL uh, press box. You are not allowed to cheer or boo." <laughs> so it was it was a thing. I, I like I said, it was it was a heck of a thing. Hopefully. Man, hopefully Vince can get his life together and and maybe get his life, uh, his relationship with the University of Texas back because they certainly owe him. If they gave him $100,000 for life, they still, look, they'll be cashing in on that national championship for the rest of his life for sure. And if you know anything about Texas and and, uh, the way they pay homage to their history, oh, yeah, they'll be celebrating this for life. And, again, I don't know how long before they'll ever get another national championship. So there's that as well. So I want to mention a couple of things. Congratulations to the Texas Southern Tigers. Lost their season finale, but the SWAC tournament opens up tomorrow night here in Houston. And uh, they will uh, try to get back to the tournament, Prairie View, which, again, if it wasn't for Texas Southern, I would be really celebrating them as well. But, hey, that's a, that was all our arch rivals. And uh, we we got a root TSU first and then Prairie View. Uh, but Prairie View won their first outright conference championship in basketball in a long, long time. And uh, they got a chance to enjoy that. They're the top seed in the SWAG tournament and semifinals, or actually the quarterfinals tomorrow and the semifinals and finals this weekend. So good luck to Texas Southern first. But if Texas Southern can't win it all, Prairie View 
we're rooting for the Panthers in, in that situation. But yeah, swag basketball, this March Madness, a lot going on. I want to, we can get to some NBA stuff maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after, whenever I come to you with the next briefcast. But I tell you what, uh, U of H finishing strong. They are the number one seed in their tournament. They have won their conference for the first time in 27 years. And if you know me, if you know anything about me, man, I love my one of my favorite. Uh, I guess my favorite teams, um, if not my favorite teams, were the U of H teams. Those those five slammer jam teams with Clyde, and Michael Young, and Larry Misha, and Benny Anders, and Alvin Franklin, and Reed Geddes, and of course Hakeem Olajuwon. Uh, and uh, we, we actually he had the eight, just just Hakeem uh, back in the day and. Uh, before he was unbeatable, he was Akeem Olajuwon, and man, those teams, Rob Williams, man, it was those were the teams, man. Rose, uh, it, man, there was so many guys, man. It was just, it was wonderful, man. Ricky Winslow, and you know those teams, 82, 83, 84, I came along at the formidable years of my life. So I was the perfect age. I was old enough to understand and appreciate and young enough to be a, a fanatic, a true fanatic in every sense of the word. Love those teams. So it's always a, a bit of nostalgia uh, when the University of Houston does well. Kelvin Sampson has done a tremendous job. I know he's he's a lumby, and that's significant to me for, uh, well, I won't get into it. But, yeah, he's he's Native American. I'm not. I'm not. But, yeah, I'm, it's a significant thing for me. And I won't elaborate, but yeah. But besides the fact that he's Lumbee, uh, he's he's done a great job. Twenty nine and two for the University of Houston Cougars heading into their conference. Let's hope that they can get a three seed. They won't get a two seed, but maybe a three seed. And we'll have to see what happens with Duke and Zion Williamson. And we'll have to see what happens if you know and with Virginia. I mean, so many great stories in March Madness. And you just wish that a number of these guys would be coming back next year so you can follow up and know everybody, know all the players from day one. As it stands, we have to learn a whole new crop of young players next year with the one and done or the two and done or whatever. So uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. But it's tournament time. And, uh, man, we, it's, a, it's a great, great time to be a basketball fan. Now I want to do something that I call uh, the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award is given out to somebody who, who really deserves it, usually in the world of sports. But I'm going to venture out of the world of sports and I am going to celebrate a victory, okay? The victory goes to a Jaguar. Not a Southern Jaguar, but a wild Jaguar in the Phoenix, in a Phoenix area zoo. And I know you may have heard the story, but a woman steps over a barrier and tries to take a selfie and gets clawed and wounded. And I know I'm laughing, but you climb over a barrier and get clawed by a Jaguar. Like I said, a Jaguar going Jaguar. And, you know, this is ridiculous. And I will tell you this. I honestly, I, I honestly rooted for the Jaguar in this situation. Now, I'm not, look, we know that there have been a couple mishaps with kids have fallen in or, 
or you know whatever whatever but if you are grown and you do something stupid like this you get what you get and i tell you what i know that jaguar's like man i don't like being in phoenix i don't like this heat i want some more jungle i hate being locked up in this damn place i tell you what if anybody comes close to me that doesn't have like some raw meat in their hand i'm on that <laughs> and he waited and he waited and he said, oh, there she is, doing it for the gram. So, you know what? The Jaguar, good for you. I just wish the Jaguar had a name. They need to give him a name. Now, I didn't see. I searched for the Jaguar's name. It, we need to come up with a name for the Jaguar because I was rooting for the Jaguar. If you do something, it's bad enough we lock these animals up. Because, I look, and I th maybe you don't know this about me. I am an environmentalist. Love animals, love trees, love dogs, and I hate what we're doing to the earth. So, uh, you know, and I know I have a large carbon footprint, but I tell you what, and maybe that's some hypocrisy and all of that, but I hate, you know, I hate that we lock these animals up, but I guess you preserve them, you keep them alive. It's a case to be made for why the, why you should have zoos and, and teach the masses to appreciate wildlife, blah, blah, blah. Well, she didn't appreciate wildlife. She got her damn arm scraped up and scratched up, and I'm I'm so glad it happened. Leave the damn animals alone. Bad enough we lock them up. Don't, uh, don't abuse the barriers just so you can take a selfie for the gram. So, yeah. One for the Jaguar and for the lady who I didn't even look her name up because I care more about the Jaguar's name than her. You are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> That being said, that's it for Briefcast 13. And I hope to come your way maybe tomorrow, maybe on Wednesday. You guys uh, tell me how you feel. Like, subscribe, give me your input, your, your feedback. I certainly appreciate it. I certainly need to hear it. And tell a friend so this thing can continue to get bigger and better. And as always, have a great day.